You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So, Sid Talk, this week, this is the before the after show discussion. This week, we watched a uh, new program that is a video game related kind of. Because it's uh, an exclusive program to the PlayStation Network. If, you pro- if you're a PlayStation Plus member, you get to watch this thing for free. And it's a TV show called Powers. And it's um, based on a comic. And it's based on an independent comic, like The Walking Dead. That came out of an independent comic. Not a Marvel or DC comic. It's just a some dudes wrote a comic and it became popular. And this Powers... That's all it was. <laughs> just some dudes for the comic. Pretty much. But, that, that's yeah. what The Walking Dead was. It just got sure. big, right? So this um, show, Powers, uh, do you want to say what it was about? What it's about? Like, synopsis? Well, it has nothing to do with video games, but because you... Like, I would never even know what I, anything to do with video game world whatsoever. All to me, it's just on the TV, but you find it on the PlayStation Network through the PlayStation 3, 4. Yeah, it's, it's actually special. made for the PlayStation Network. It's their first... Um, live action. But that doesn't scream video game to me. So no. for me, it is a uh, superhero world. It's a it's a parallel world to our alternate world to ours. It's modern day that we've all had the same nineties and eighties, but in our past have been the discovery of people who have powers. Thus the name powers. Because when you read all the descriptions of the show Powers, they use the word powers a lot. Yeah, they Every do. single paragraph has the word powers in it. So you get it. We get it. We get it. Everybody's got it. Not everybody. No. Some people have these powers. And then, of course, the premise is some people have chosen to use their powers for bad. And they are called the powers. And then other people choose to use their skills for good. And those are the heroes. And then there is this sort of mortal, normal people police division called the Powers Division, yep. I think it is. And they have to exactly. police them, which is impossible mm-hmm. because it's impossible. They, they're kind of getting a grip to it, a grip and on one, it by the looks And of the it. one guy is uh, a fallen hero. He has had his powers plucked out of him at some point by some nasty piece of work guy who is a power yeah, yeah. Um, the word powers gets a little on my nerves because it's just a con. It's like, I don't know, it's weird. It'd be like if in the show Lost, every five minutes, somebody, some character said, well, I just hate being lost. Do you know that we're lost? Do you know how long we've been lost? It's really hard being lost. I'm so <laughs> hard. It's so tough being lost for so long. It's exactly the same, but in every conversation, they say the word power. Not that I'm picking on it, but it started wearing on me after we watched all three in a row. So I was like, yeah. okay, enough. We know the name of the show. It was good enough for us to watch all three in yeah. a row. Um, it was fun. It's not good. No, it's... It's, it's fun. I personally think... I, 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 somebody asked me what it was like, and I said, if you took True Blood... <laughs> and I'm not talking True Blood's premise or anything. I'm talking about the quality of True Blood. Like, it's kind of trashy, but it's fun at the same time. And for some reason, you keep watching it. If you took that and crossed it with Heroes, which was another superhero one, it's kind of, that's the vibe of it. Yes, I agree completely. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of trashy, semi-poorly made, interestingly enough, when they say it was a huge budget and everything, but I feel like it's, the special effects, let's not have any bones about this, they're not good at all, are they? They're really bad. Like There was a scene where there were superheroes flying around in the distance, and he was looking at them. 
And it just looked like crap. It looked it like did. crap. It looked really bad. It looked like pre-Spider-Man. It looked worse than a video <laughs> game. A really shitty cutscene in a video game. Worse than that. And I was like... You know, it reminded me of Power Rangers. Yeah. There was literally like that weird... They move Somebody, too fast. It's kind of yeah, weird looking. Yeah, it was unfortunate. You have to just sort of, I just was like, okay. And plus, we're watching on a big TV. Now think of mm. the part of the intent might be, hey, PlayStation Network, people have Vitas. Watch it on your Vita. Little <laughs> shitty Small. monitor in there. You know, where they, where they play there. Yeah. You never, I mean, some people do play everything on their small stuff. Plus, you, can you get to the PlayStation Network on your Vita? Yeah. And on your phone? You can watch it on the Vita. Or just on the Vita? No, just on the Vita or the... Um... Are there no Sony phones? Yeah, there are, but not... With the place, um, no, the PlayStation app wouldn't play this show. So you'd be either on your TV, your PlayStation, or your Vita. Okay. So, um, but it's got that edge of if a 17 and an 18 year old sat down to write this and did the special effects partially. I mean, I'm not trying to belittle anyone because I'm sure they worked with the money that they had, but I'm just saying standard wise to have somebody sit there and go, "Yeah, man, that's awesome." I can imagine that happening. A lot. And some of it is good, to be yeah. honest. There are some good special effects. There's a bit where they're doing some testing in a laboratory, and these sh- people are doing their powers. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, that part looked good. There were some parts that looked good. But um, it isn't perfect. It's like True Blood. Like you, you, you like it, but you know inside it's not actually great. Everything's turned up just a little there's past. A bit, there's, there's swearing for the sake of it, which is really like oh, it's jarring a bit. It's like, hey, fuck you, and fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... And you don't swear a lot. So no, but me. I mean, they, they turn to each other and say things like that. And it's like, oh, you don't really need to say that. There. That's what I'm saying. A 17 it's, and 8-year-old yeah, would be like... Yeah, it's very... Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, we're edgy. you know. Or we, it's like... It's like some movies even, but more with TV shows. Because when they've made a lot of scenes and done a lot of footage and a lot of stuff, and then they start to edit it, I don't know... That until you see it all together, you realize if you let them ad lib people ad lib ad lib at all on the set, then you don't even know that he has said that thing like ten times in a row. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun enough to watch. I really want to see what happens now. I actually got into it. Is this the is this the end of it before the actual discussion? Almost. Um, <laughs> this is not a show about TV or PlayStation. But the star of the of this show is Shalto Copley, who I really like. Um, and I've mentioned him in the past. He's a South African actor. He's from District 9. He's actually the star of District 9. He was in Neil Blomkamp's other film, which is Elysium. He was the bad guy in that, which I really loved him in that one. He was also not very good in Maleficent. No. I didn't like him in that one. He was not very good in Old Boy. I didn't like him in that one. No. And then he's in uh, the new Neil Blomkamp film, Chappie, that we saw the mm-hmm. about the robot. He does the motion capture for the robot, so he's like the Andy well, Serkis. He's like the Andy Serkis of that film. So um we're seeing him more and more, and this is his first foray into television. I watched an interview with him this week. He's never done like a television style show. He felt like he was getting to grips with it towards the last is episode. Is it really a television show? I said, you know He calls it a, he, he mentioned that it's TV. It's more format. like a webisode. Yeah. But it's not, because it's not internet and it's not on television networks. It's the new Thing. You can watch it on your TV, but you can also watch it on anything that yeah. you have that is related to that you know, box. Yeah. So it's but, kind of an interesting... Uh, but he said this week, I was watching an interview with him about power specifically, and he said, I think, I feel that I suck in the first five episodes of it. But then by the end of this season, I feel like I got better at doing that television style format. He, he was actually say, he, he was saying, for, going from movies to that is quite difficult. Plus, he's the star 
like the actual star of this. He's in almost all of it, right? He's yeah. Um, you, you're not particularly keen, are you, on him? I'm very neutral. District Nine was fine, and everything else has been crappy. Not crappy, but compared, unfortunately. And um, he doesn't. I I don't know how you can hang on to thinking he's so great when you've just said that. No, two I, out of five of the things yeah, he's not Elysium's good. actually District Nine was brilliant, but that character he played in Elysium, I thought that was really spot on, buddy. It really, it was kind of terrifying. It was, it was like there was a part. He was he was a bad guy, and then at a certain point in the movie, about halfway through, he just flipped, like went into he was like a lunatic all of a sudden. And I got that and bought it totally, you know. I just really like that. But anyway, it's powers, it's available on PSN. If you've got play PS Plus and you own a PlayStation, um, you might not even know that you've got this show for free. So I just wanted to alert people to it. <laughs> and some people may not be able to figure out how to make it play. True. So um I have no show notes. Weird. Let me get some show notes. So it is Saturday, March the 14th. It wasn't there when I just looked a second ago. Um, And this is after the show number 367. The movie we're looking at this week is not District 9 or any of those movies. It is The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. And that's a mouthful. Finally, we're getting to the actual show. It's a 2000... Are we keeping you? you? It was a little boring to talk about one thing for like 10 minutes. That has nothing to do with this. We only, we only talked about it for six minutes. Six minutes is almost ten. Okay. Past five, you're almost We ten. won't keep you any longer. Thank so you. it is the... Thank um, you. Mockingjay, Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1. This is a 2014 movie, and it's released on Blu-ray on the 6th of March, 2015. So you can pick this one up now. <laughs> it's also rated PG-13, and it's from our friends at Lionsgate. And uh, Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. I'll give the synopsis. Thank you. The synopsis is, (laughs) this is the third book in the Hunger Games trilogy, but they have split the movies into two movies, so this is the first half of the Mockingjay. But that's not the synopsis of the movie. The synopsis of the movie (laughs) is, um, if you've not seen the other two movies, I would have to... I'll do it then. Okay, the synopsis is, we are now on the verge of a revolution. Let's say they never saw the other two. I know, I'm saying. We're on the verge of a revolution in a world where it's very clear, even from the beginning of this movie, that the revolutionaries are in a very kind of shitty position, and that they're being oppressed, and the the bad guys, which would be, as they refer to as the capital, the capital, um are really bad guys, meaning one very bad president, or whatever. I think he's called president, isn't he? Yeah, of president the yeah. Right. And that Katniss is our main character. She is to the rebels, to the rebellion, to the downtrodden. She is to be their symbol of freedom. You know, she's sort of between, like, she's not a politician, she's not a rebel. She's just a girl who is sees horrible things and kind of figures out for herself, that's wrong, I need to right that wrong, and yet she's torn, because the more you rebel, the more horrible shit's going to happen. It's very clear. And so that's this is the portion where we are facing the rebellion against a huge foe. So uh, this is like, we do this once a year, it seems. We've done this for the last two years. Uh, this time of year, we watch a Hunger Games movie. And <laughs> we, I've explained in the past that I read the books... And you didn't read the books at all, so we have a different, um, you know, point of view on how the movies are told. Because, you know, you you sometimes say, "Oh, I don't really understand that bit," and I'll say, "Oh, the book has more information," and you'll say, "It doesn't matter." It shouldn't you... matter, right? So, 
what I found interesting, and I know the whole story, and it is changed in the in the movie slightly. It's very slightly changed and tweaked. Sometimes I'll be watching it and I'm thinking about the book, and then I'll go, I don't remember See, this. That's bit. a problem. That shouldn't happen. Keep no, well, you can't help that if you've read you a can. book. Of course you can. I've read books and not. No, what I'm saying is, I'll be watching it and I'll be thinking a scene will be happening, and I'll be thinking this wasn't in the book, and then later on it'll be I'll be confirmed. Oh yeah, they've. That character talks to that character, but in the book, there's a different character. There, there is a bit of that going on in these movies. Right, and but I, see... It and it works perfectly... I understand why they do it, and it works perfectly well. There are some characters in the third book that they completely missed out of this movie that are only introduced to you in the third book, and they're, they only stick around for a little bit. They're kind of like in-and-out characters. And what they've done here is they've brought the characters that you know and love and already respond this to. This isn't really a movie review, is it? This is you melding the book into the movie. Okay, so... No, I'm um, saying say what you want, but I don't think the book of a movie should be part of you watching a movie. I just don't. I think it's unfair. Like, it's unreasonable to me. I'm not saying anything good or bad. I'm just explaining some things right, that they've done Right, but you're explaining a movie them. based on your having read the book, and I haven't read the books... And it shouldn't be a. They shouldn't be. And that's why I said we both have this perspective. I'm giving mine. Right, and but still, you're reviewing the movie as if it's part of. No, I'm just getting to a point which I've not got to yet. (laughs) Clearly, (laughs) I'm keeping you again. So what? um, (laughs) Yes. What I'm saying is that the third book in the Hunger Games trilogy is um, very uh, political heavy. It's not. There's not not as much action, and it's mostly. You know, board boardroom meetings, and it's a lot of political. Um, and I wondered how the movies would do that without it being really boring. And what they did was they added some action scenes here that to you know spice it up. But let me say that this uh, Mockingjay Part One, it's not actually really full of action. To be honest, mm, it's quite quite a few. It's yeah. not like Catching Fire. Where there's an hours hours worth of action, there's none of that. It's more, and I love it for this. I think it this makes this the superior movie of all of them for me. Is it's more intelligent than the others. It's not like here's the setup and let's fight some kid. You know, let's have this fight thing. It's the politic in which I like the best. I I want to see how I want to see how the capital runs and I want to see these rebels what they're doing. Uh, you know, like. I compared this, I said to you when this had finished, um, The Matrix Revolutions. This movie's kind of like The Matrix Revolutions. The rebels go underground, they wait for the attack, and they have the, the attack happens, right? I guess, And The yeah. Revolutions I mean, is what is my one of my favourite... I know people hate it, but it's one of my favourite parts of The Matrix. I like the comeback, you know, the rising up. And that's what this movie is setting the stage for, a, a, the rising up. Um... And I think it's really well done, intelligently done. It's not like, it's not like really dumbed down. There's a lot of politicking stuff, even though it's a kids movie, like made for kids. But there's a couple of things that I didn't like. One was the Jeffrey guy's character doing the, um, what do you call him? Jeffrey, you know, do you know what I mean? The guy with the glasses, he's like the, I, I didn't like that at all. You know, what he do, what he's doing in the movie there. The Jeffrey guy. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair. He's doing, oh, he's yeah. doing like the hacking. Yeah, that's the bit where I felt it was unintelligent because he's like this character, and he's 
it's just he blatantly telegraphs all this crap to you like it's every time he opens his mouth he's just exposition but don't forget some of us don't know the story no it doesn't even matter it's not like you haven't read the book or whatever it's nothing to do with that it's just he's directly saying stuff he's like this is the thing and if you press this thing it does this thing he's it doesn't seem like he... Oh, I didn't get that at all. He just felt like... Expo- no. In fact, I was in my mind going, this is exposition, man. Like, he's really annoying. Like, he just says everything that we already know. Like, you know, he keeps saying it. I didn't know all the stuff he was saying. I didn't know about her arrows. And, and I didn't, I didn't about- either, but it was kind of obvious. Like, he's like... You know, not that. There's bits... The bit... Of, I don't want to spoil it. No. There's, there's a bit where, where they all sat there, and he just keeps... Sometimes Philip Seymour Hoffman will say blah 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 blah, and he will repeat exactly what he said. Like it's that's the only thing I have, um, you know, I didn't like about it. It just felt really like when we're writing this script, we know loads of kids are going to be watching it, so we really have to be clear. So we need to keep saying these things, hmm. and it really felt like they were doing that. But that's the only thing I had to, bad to say about it. The other thing I have bad to say about it is splitting it up into two movies. Um, yes, you do get a longer running time now. You get a four-hour movie. The end of it's four hours long instead of two and a half, which a normal movie would be. But um, it did feel lengthened out. Not to me, because I don't know the story, you see. You, you... Yeah, and I know how much is left of the story. Right, and see, that to me, that's your problem here with the discussion. It's no of... problem. It's a problem when you're discussing the movie with you, because all, you, all you're doing is like... I'm not discussing emerging. it with you, I'm just saying my points, you know. You're discussing it with me. No, I'm not, I'm not asking for any. I'm not asking for anything from you. For, I'm just saying my side, and then you're going to say your side, right? Right, and I'm saying that that point of view doesn't it doesn't dis- work as a discussion about the movie to me. I was just saying what I liked about it, what I didn't. Right. <laughs> yeah, but then you fold it all together. Still, like you don't like him because he keeps telling you stuff. But I don't miss that. I don't have that problem because I don't know what he's telling me. I don't have in the background a knowledge of things that no, he's neither do I. And it's I, and I, like I but just said, do. it's not based on knowing anything about it because I don't know what he's talking about either. But he keeps repeating what people say. It's just a really shitty character. It's like that character. It's in a lot of movies that character. So why didn't I notice? It was though? in Edge of Tomorrow. It, those scientist people, they ju- they're just there to say the science of it to you. That's all they're there for. I just didn't pick up on it at all. Didn't right. bother me because I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know everything that he was saying, so I needed to know. I felt like so I didn't notice the repeating part. But and my favorite part is that it's very. It's more like yes, this is a threat and a bad thing. This thing that's happening. The reason we need to rise up is because this is a shitty world. Whereas well, in the I mean- past. If I think about their world, even looking at it now, when you look at, you know what? We don't even get to see the capital in this one. There's no, like, downtown. There's no visit to the city. There's nothing. No. All you see is... Just the room. Countryside. Just, or his room. And then down, yeah, like where the mansion or whatever yeah. where he lives. But just because of the actions taken to suppress the people... You get a more visceral, like, ugh. Actually, it's interesting. Why Why didn't they... Uh, I wonder why they didn't show the capital in any way. Even just, um, so, you know, sh- sh- what do you call them? Staggering. What do you call mm. those shots? Where you, uh, look, this is where we are. And then you cut to the character. They don't even do that, do they, in this in this movie? You don't see mm. the, the state of the capital or anything in any way. Just when the lights 
I know it costs a lot to make that capital, uh, C- it's a big CG thing, but um, you've already got capital shots from the other movies, which if you wanted to do that. But no, they don't True. do that at all. So maybe maybe it was a stylistic thing because a lot of this movie is kind of downtrodden and, gr- and grimy. Like it's supposed to be, right? You feel like, you know, everything's gone to shit. It's not the... But there again, seeing the contrast of the of the capital and everywhere else is a good thing too, isn't it? But you don't see that, yeah. I just the Hunger Games movies have never been the movies though that have a lot of frivolous shots. Even in like the other ones, there there's like they're going in the train, you see the capital for a few seconds and then they're in there and then you just see different rooms. So I think they try and keep it low budget, as low budget as they can. Hmm. Even though they are huge, humongous movies. They they're still not Yeah. Steven Spielberg type movies where every single thing is a special effect. But yeah, they don't. That's an interesting point. Um, so, what do you think of the story? What did you think of the story overall? Did mm. it this make you a bigger fan of the Hunger Games? Did you- we already a fan of the Hunger Games? I'm pretty neutral, to be honest. It doesn't. I understand why it's like shocking, and she's like symbolic, and look at her, and they even address it in the in this movie, which is awesome. You know, when was, when is the time you ever looked at her and didn't want her outfit and don't love her hair? And that's what I feel like it's been the whole time. It's just sort of this 14-year-old dream of feeling suppressed and oppressed and wanting to rise up against it. It's not a new story. Oh, no. It's, it's Star not- Wars, for God's sake. It's it's ever, It's been around forever and ever. All, ever since people have been able to write shit down, it's about being oppressed and rising up and being oppressed and rising up. Nothing new about it. The Hunger Games part is actually the most interesting part. And all we know of that now in this telling of this story is that it haunts her. And that's it. I think that's kind of a failure of this particular movie. I don't feel any stake except, unfortunately, because I've seen the others, and I know there's another one, and I hate that I see it as a big thing, but it is a bridge just like the last one was. These two, to me, are just like big bridges. They fill you in on a well, lot of Well, Catching Fire was a bigger version of the first movie, really. I mean, it had a really... I I thought the Hunger Games itself in Catching Fire was the best Hunger Games in the big battle. Oh, I disagree. Gun. I like the Hunger Games in the first one See, best. The yeah, last like one this. was like, da-da-da-da, we're done. And that was it. And all we're doing is letting you know there's a big rebellion happening. And these people are involved, and you didn't know they were. <gasps> and now it's these people are involved, and we've got even more resources than you thought. <gasps> and this is how horrible the bad guy is, and this is how wonderful we are because we want to make the world a better place. I mean, that really is all it is. And I understand that's how most of these stories are. It's just that all the bells and whistles don't make me fall in love with it the same. That I know, but you, you know, do you identify more with... Like Katniss and the Uprising. What is it about it that makes you really a fan of it? I really like to see kids thrown into an arena to kill each other. No, you don't. No, I really do. I I think that is awesome. I think that's an awesome concept. Like, that, that is the... That when... makes you sound really horrible. <laughs> Do yeah. you mean you love the concept? Yeah, I just said concept. Um, no, you said I love seeing children thrown in an arena to kill themselves. To kill each other. Yeah, I really, I really think that is a... When I re- I wouldn't have read this book, but I was reading, looking for a book to read, and I, and that was the synopsis. It was like teenagers are thrown into a uh, battle, uh, you know, and I was like, 
Ooh, that sounds interesting. That's like something, uh, when you say it's not been done before, it has. Battle Royale was one of them. Um, But to me, that's, it's interesting. Like, it's like, ooh, that's a hardcore scenario. Like, I, you know, Um, that was my in to it. That's what makes it really interesting to me. Um, I know this one doesn't have a Hunger Games in it. It's it's Hunger Games free, let's say. Um, Except that they mentioned four times, we're still playing the game. He's still playing the game. Mm-hmm. I'm still playing the game. She's still playing the game. So you're supposed to be now thinking, ah, oh, it's, nev- it's never in the... It's a big Hunger Games. It's not the little version anymore. But that was the hook for me, that, that this is... This is a really effed up world. Like, it's really effed up. Like, they send kids and, and they kill each other. That's horrible. Like, And, you know, they're forced into doing it. It's a... I love dystopian kind of things. It's really interesting to me. Um, but that's what I like. It's not Katniss, necessarily. It's... Uh, I want to see, you know, action and... I, I like the concept of rising up against them. But like you say, it's nothing new. It's in every film, pretty much. But it just depends... <laughs> On how it's done and how you identify with whichever yeah. reason, you know. I mean, in the world that we live in, no matter what, there's always going to be, unfortunately, oppression, suppression, and being oppressed and suppressed and repressed or whatever. It's just a matter of degrees. And in this story, the writer tells you extreme differences, you know. Over here, they're living in the lap of luxury. The president can literally do whatever he wants, and nobody has a problem with that. Like, yeah, seemingly, no one would have a problem with it, because if you do, he'll just have you killed. <laughs> and it's more a matter of fact, which is, makes it even more severe. And in this one, that is drawn up to me more, which I might, I might feels more gritty, because it's just like, this is a, a force to be reckoned with. And that makes it more dangerous to me than it has felt in the past. Plus, I didn't care about all the districts. I don't. Yeah. Even when I see I like them the all sick and battered and damaged and stuff, I, I feel like because it's so glossy. Yeah, sure, you can say it's all muddy and they're gritty and bloody, but they're still not. They're they're movie gritty. Well, they're, they're movie, also. They're movie bloody. They're not like. It's not like you've. To ha- you've. There's no visceral reaction to me of seeing somebody laying on the ground with fake blood all over them. Because that's what I'm thinking. It's not like... It's just like for effect. And I mean, it's it's also a PG-13 type yeah, But movie. that was pretty severe. But it's not an R-rated movie where you can really show the horror of stuff. I mean, they do show sure. like skeletons lying around. Charred bodies and people with limbs chopped for blown off. I think that was pretty severe. Yeah, But yeah. they did it in a glossy way. Oh, totally bloody. Gruesome. But still kind of like, here's a movie set that if somebody walked across the screen with a cup of Starbucks in their hand, I wouldn't be shocked because I feel like it's a movie set. And look, oh, here's the guy with the bandage on his head and here's the woman with her arm tied behind her back and blood squirting out of her shoulder, you know. So it's kind of, that's a little tough to divert my attention from, but. When I uh, read the books a long time ago, before they were even discussed to be made a movie, and I finished reading Mockingjay, I knew that this was going to be some... Because Harry Potter was just finishing. I knew that... I could tell somebody was going to take this and make this into this huge thing. And it is really huge. It's as huge as Harry Potter has been. You know, it's big. It's Twilight. It's the next Twilight. It's the big thing that everybody goes to see. I could see that happening. And in my mind, I was like, I hope they go, like, full R-rated with it. You know? Because it is a really shocking story. Like, the you know, but they kind of... It's just shy of being 
you know, the full terror. I mean, if you're 12, it's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible if you're 12 <laughs> and you watch it and you're like, yeah. holy shit, there's my favourite character who just got his, like, his, you know, throat slit in front of me. Like, it's... But, yeah, they do... It's kind of, like you say, the glossy Hollywood bit. It just... It's just slightly off. If you watch Battle Royale, the Japanese movie, that is the full horror of kids killing each other. Um, it's this isn't that. It, there's it's it's. I bet that isn't either. If you watched it again, well, it's if it's from the eighties or nineties, it's gonna be pretty fake looking. It is very fake looking, but it's like Kill Bill. It's like right. So that's not that's not gritty. No, but it's <laughs> but it's horror. It's it's horror. Like it's. Well, I disagree with you. Heads but I know explode what the whole thing. You know, it's it's not like this. It's it's a different thing. It's supposed to be shocking and gory. This is not that. This this mm-hmm. isn't particularly gory. It's you know even the Hunger Games part. You see some people get shot. You don't really see anybody decapitated or anything like that. Yeah, it's not. No. Uh, so let's get onto the cast. Jennifer Lawrence reprises a role as Katniss Everdeen. Uh, I like her in this as Katniss, but I thought in this movie, and this one specifically, she kind of overacted a little bit a few times. I was like, oh, really? You can maybe not do as much. She was like, oh, oh. You know, I know she was supposed to be showing the... No, I liked her. And she was doing that a lot where she was like, supposed to be... And I know it was a horrific thing that was right in front of her, but I was like, it's like, I don't know, this is a slightly tweaked world and it's supposed to be all ultra sensitive and everything but I don't know there's a couple of times where I was like ah oh, maybe would have done if it was me making this I would have told her to rein that one in a little bit in the other movies I didn't notice it so much but this one's I a bit more emotional I didn't I feel like that at all right so what are you a man afraid of emotions must be the problem no I don't think she was fine she's you know we're presented with her as falling apart immediately she's having like post-traumatic stress disorder she's doesn't know what's going on. She's been battered. She was electrocuted pretty severely, from our knowledge. And I think that it's all just slowly sinking. And she's also not, you know, she's never... In this one, it's like you can see in her face as she's observing a thing happen or someone speaking. She shows you her it dawning on her what is actually happening. And I appreciate that because, like, she'll just be have that sort of innocent... Jennifer Lawrence look on her face, you know, like, or worried. And then it's like her eyes change just a tiny bit when she's watching somebody speak or witnessing something. And then you're seeing the wheels go like, I'm not just a girl trying to save this guy, Peta. I was like, the weight of the world is on my shoulders. And I re- I could see, I felt like I could see that on her face kind of happen as it did. It's a funny thing for Jennifer Lawrence. She's still really a kid. Like, she's not, you know, I mean, I'm, she's not a kid, but she's only... What, is she 22? Um, do you think she's going to be like a Mark Hamill, be in this huge franchise like this? And, oh, what about Harry Potter? He's the same, isn't he? He's in this huge thing. He's Harry Potter. And then now he's just in some little movies every so often, like he crops up, like Mark Hamill. Do you think this will happen to her, or do you think she's better quality than those two? I have no idea. No idea. I don't know if it's a matter of quality. Because, you know, she's been in American Hustle, which was... She was fantastic in American Hustle. She, wasn't, she won an Academy Award. She won an Academy Award <laughs> for the first movie she did. Oh, what was that one called? I thought she won it for American Hustle, too. Yeah, and the first one, the, when she was really a kid. The one about the Missouri Winter Meth Winter Bone? Labs. Yeah, Winter's Bone. Win- yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, maybe she's better quality than them, too. 
Because she is a good actress outside of the Hunger Games as well. You know? I definitely think that. So Josh Hutcherson plays Peter so Malak. I guess I'm not in the world. I don't see this franchise as Harry Potter, but then I'm not in the world. Yeah, it's freaking like it's humongous. It's the the sales for the movie is just it's as big as Harry Potter. It's as big as it's the big thing. Like it's. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't. The numbers don't convince me. I don't know one person who dresses up like her to watch the DVD. I know probably six or to ten people who had Harry Potter parties. We're talking about adults and grown No, up. I'm talking about like the teens who love this. I know, but I'm saying as far as it being hu- so huge that adults. We're willing to dress up still to have like memory parties of Harry Potter and stuff. Like, it's just I don't like, care you that. know, like, I think it's a passing thing. Once it's done, it'll be done, and then everybody will be yeah, over. Yeah, there'll be another thing. Twilight was the thing, and then Harry Potter was the thing. Twilight was the thing. Hunger Games is the thing. I think Harry Potter lingers more than you think, maybe. Mm. And it lasted longer. Yeah, because there was more of it. I mean, they can. And all- it was better. Let's be honest. I don't know. I'd not really watched them. I'm not talking about the movies. I'm talking about the story and the world and overall. It's just a more to me. No, I, I, I'd, I'd definitely be more based. into the Hunger Games personally than Harry Potter. Harry Potter doesn't really do anything for me that much. I watched the first one and I was like, yeah. it's not really just about the movie though. It's the whole of it. Yeah, well, the, the whole magic of it doesn't do. No, I'm, I'm more of a space or a sci-fi, which this is slightly sci-fi, Mockingjay. Yeah. I mean, Hunger Games. I like that kind of thing. Um, so Josh Hutcherson comes back as Peter Malak. Is that a spoiler to say that he comes back? But, um, I don't think so. <laughs> he's, he's good in this one. Yeah. You know, because in this one, like, he... I don't say he's not he's not in it a lot, but he is, his scenes in this are very charged with emotion, for sure. Oh, for everybody, like... Oh, yeah. Because the... Um, the capital are using him as like a propaganda kind of. They they kind of control exactly what everybody sees about anything, so they they determine the mood of of the. But. Yeah. They have a mirror, which is the rebellion, and they do the exact same thing. Yeah, it's like propaganda back and forth, like what happens in a war. Propaganda is. It happens, anytime yeah. between PlayStation and stupid Xbox. True. <laughs> uh, Liam Helmsworth, which is a uh, Thor's brother. Plays Gail Hawthorne. Um, you know, he returns. Boring. Yeah, boring. I always thought, I thought he was boring in the book. I, I, it's just a love interest. It's a, it's the fairly boring compared to Peter. Like. The character's boring. But Peter's really boring. It's just that the guy who does him has a certain... I don't know. There's something a little bit, a little bit more about him. Whereas this guy is literally just... Nothing to me. He could be abs. He he's could a be com- rock for her. Like she, but he's she not. Feels co- but but I mean, she feels comfortable around. It. Like that. That's what these scenes in this one where she goes hunting with him. It's like you mean all three times. Yeah, but it. But it's like it's- let's hunt for five seconds and then let's look at the scenery and then let's have some the physical contact and then we go back to the rebellion. That's it. It's just to draw you back to the very. And I don't first think it's one his fault. I together. think it's the character is really nothing to me nothing like he means nothing other than oh well do you love Peter or do you love me but it's it doesn't that. even matter because she's not that person you know so it, or even in the book it felt to me like you have to have two people like Twilight oh there, there's the woman and then there's the two and who does she love which one does she love does she love them both do, in, this is how this 
almost felt like she was going, oh, that's that's a thing that people like. Teenagers love that, where there's two boys. You mean like Luke Skywalker and Han Solo? Yeah. It's like, it's an age-long, you know, tale as old as time, right? And it feels like it's sandwiched into this, though. Like, it's it's another checkbox. Gotta have mm-hmm. that one. Um, so, yeah, he didn't really do much for me either. I know. Are you saving him? Oh, I thought you'd be saving him for last. Woody Harrelson plays Hamish Abernathy. Um, I really like Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. in this. I think he really fits this. At first, when they said he was going to be in it, I was like, uh, Woody Harrelson's a bit crazy. Like, I don't... But he really fits that character. Like, I buy that character. Um, and in this, I was going to say, he's not he's not in this much. Bits and pieces, right? That's he's, enough. Um, Donald Sutherland plays President Snow. He's really menacing, isn't he, in this? Yes. He's menacing to me for a bad reason. Because I saw him in a movie, I told you a long time ago, where he was had molested his own daughter, and as an adult, he still wanted to have sex with her, and he was fucking creepy. Creepy mm. and it? unaware of his... I don't even know the name of it. But he was actually pursuing her and saying creepy things to her. And it was like messing with her mind. And now when I see him, that's all I see. It's like Katniss, do not go in his office. (laughs) (laughs) His little daughter, his little granddaughter's there. I'm like, run away. Run away. Grandpa has a very bad dark secret. Don't ask mommy what it is. Like, I just can't help it. So that brings to him. And you're, I cro- hate- you're crossing the street. I know. Like I know. And I'm not supposed to. But it's he brings that. And I said the grin that he has under all that facial hair, it's like you want to just knock it off his face. It's horrible. Yeah. And he's just so... You just want to... He is wanna, the symbol of hunger. Uh, power hungry. You just want to punch him all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's out, When he's being shaved by his servants... It's just, that scene was creepy to me. It was like, he's this, he's this dude. He's just sat there. He's like in charge of everything. He's like, you can do anything. He's like Darth Vader. Just, oh, kill that guy. Get rid of that guy. Do that. Oh, blow that thing up. He's like that, isn't he? Yep. And he's just sat there and he's in his luxurious shit and everybody else is... I was just like, ah. And that's why he wants the system to remain the way it is. True. And he has his little flower that he throws. His... But now we know why, which is interesting. Yeah. He has a rotting mouth that stinks. So True. he carries roses with him to make everything smell better. So that even makes him worse. It so, really does. Like he's a serpent. Like he's a horrible like dragon or something. If he went, ah, you'd be like, ah, no, not the breath. Not the pussy rotten breath. And that's one of the things I like about the Hunger Games too. That it's not about magic or anything. It's uh, it's quite grounded. Like it's Well, there's people, a lot of... Weapons, people. Fictional technology. science and technology. Yeah, but it's not like somebody has got somebody can do fireballs from the hands all of a sudden. You know, it's none of that. It's just grounded. Um, and F- Philip Seymour Hoffman plays Plutarch Heavensby. There's actually... Um, we all know that he died. Not Plutarch. <laughs> Philip, Philip just, after this mo- just after he made this movie. Really. During, they, they said. Yeah. Um, not this one. During the... The other scenes they said when he they told us during the filming yeah so that's pretty sad but he does a good job in this i i always thought he'd always put himself into stuff um it feels like he's taking it way more seriously than everyone else i, and I, I feel that's that, how he was he took everything seriously i just feel i've seen that if he didn't it would be valueless and look what's become of me i'm in some stupid multi-billion dollar movie franchise 
Therefore, I'm a sellout, and my work means nothing, and I'm saying nothing to the world, and I just think, from all the other we've seen, most every single movie he's made, and in this one, I think he tries with every little <laughs> facial move and gesture to bring and shrug to of it. a shoulder or look at somebody to be like, and you would think, oh, I bet he did that ten times. Or I bet he sat in the mirror and thought about it. Or he wondered, how would Plutarch really react to the president? You know, like, you just feel it. And he always felt it. We've talked about him many times before he ever died that that's how he was. He, You felt like he was bringing this big baggage with him. Everything. Everything yeah. he did. I can't think of any role... Even that stupid movie with Adam Sandler. No, the one where he's like his friend mm-hmm. and playing basketball. Even <laughs> that, I bought him as the friend. Because he put himself into it, like even though it was just some you know, frivolous role. But in the ser- Boogie Nights was the first time I ever saw him. And he's fantastic in that. He's only really young in that movie, mm-hmm. if you go back and watch it. He's like, just a, well, not a kid. but Not really young. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, he seems really young compared to, like... And he was only my age. True. When we were watching this movie, and then we watched his little memorial thing that they did for him, I was like, oh, I could have swore he was at least five years older than me. He just did kind of age a lot in the last, probably, ten years. Yeah, and then so, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Julianne Moore is in this movie, who he's worked with before, and she plays President Alma Coyne. And, you know, I love Julianne Moore. She's all, like, she's my um, Philip Zimmer Hoffman female. <laughs> she plays her cards close to the chest on this one, though. Yeah. You don't know much about her. No, and that's by design, like, but she's good at playing that role. She's mm-hmm. She has to be forceful with Katniss, even, where Katniss is just like, no, I, you mm-hmm. know, she's she has to play the president. But she seems sneaky, which I think is interesting. I will not comment on any of those things. Uh, and then Elizabeth Banks. Well, that is enough of a comment to say. No, it isn't actually. It is, of course. I'm an intelligent human being. I can read between the lines. Elizabeth Banks comes back as Effie Trinket. I like um, her. Yeah, I think she's one of the best things in the Hunger Games. Like she's like perfect casting. She just she's threw herself into that character. Like you forget it's Elizabeth Banks in those movies where she's yeah, even actually, in this one. Yeah, she's Effie, but she's been grayed down. Downtrodden. <laughs> well, she's grayed up. Like, there's no more color. She has to be Effie and come through that. And I think that's pretty, pretty good. Now, this is directed again by Francis Lawrence, who directed the last one. Um, and he also directed I Am Legend and Constantine. There's one problem I have with the story. The mother is like nothing. She's She could have literally died the first two seconds of the very beginning of the whole story. And it wouldn't seem to have mattered at all. She says hardly anything. She does hardly anything. Katniss isn't, like, in love with the idea of having a mother. The little sister isn't, like, clingy to her. She doesn't stand up for her daughters. She doesn't try to save them or salvage them. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't have much of a role, either. Like she's That's just... what I'm saying. That's my point. She's nothing. Like, she doesn't... She isn't, like, if Katniss was to worry about... She's kind of pathetic. She only worries about <laughs> Prim. If she she worries, she says, we're Prim, 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 Prim. And then Mom and Prim are okay. It's like she's... So I wonder how that... It just seems like nothing to me. We don't want a Disney situation where they kill her in the first <laughs> five minutes. We watched the compilation, didn't we, of Disney dead parent. Yeah. Animated dead parent. After watching Big dead. Hero 6 and it <laughs> yeah. being like, ooh. Heavy on the sadness. <laughs> like, here's, here's a tip. Do not be a grown-up in a Disney animation movie. So this is directed by Francis Lawrence, who didn't direct the first one. And the first one, if I have a complaint about the first one, and I did, 
It was that shaky cam, and they used shaky cam almost the entire time in the first one. And you know when the lens flares in the mm-hmm. um, Star Trek really bother you? That shaky cam bothered me. Like It was almost like, we'll do shaky cam uh, in this first one because it's really gruesome and horrific and you won't see most of it. You'll just have to think about it. Oh yeah, somebody went down there. You're not going to see it properly because it's shaking. And it's like a documentary. And he did that, that first guy, who I forget his name. But then... There was a lot of complaints about it, so they changed the director for the second one. And this guy's staying on till the end now, this Francis Lawrence. And I think he does a way better job. But when you watch them back to back now, that first one kind of looks different. It's just different. I I don't remember that at all. If you went and watched it now after watching these two, you'd be like, oh, stop doing that. Because they don't do that again. They don't do it again ever. There's a little, because I noticed it this time. Yeah, not like that, though. No, no. The actual games in the first one soon as they go off the pedestals and start running, it's just like a documentary. Like, somebody's running behind them with a camera. I didn't like that at all. And I'm Somebody glad... probably was. Yeah, they were. <laughs> You're exactly And that was the complaint. And it, and I read, like, ten reviews of the first Hunger Games, and that was... It was just the main complaint. The shaky camera. Please lose the shaky camera. And they did. Oh, but you poo-poo on me hating the lens flare. Like, it's some kind of dis... No, I didn't. Dis- I said... I said you know, your comments are like, well, this is what it is. Well, I, he really I said liked it doesn't artistic, bother me. Right, but it's an artistic choice and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll tell you what. It makes me want to reach through the film, through the, through the movie and strangle him because it ruins... I don't ever want to watch those movies again. And that's terrible because I... I mean, you know me. I'm the Star Trek. You're the Star Wars, even though I like both. But I've watched every second of every Star Wars series and Star movie. Trek. I said Star Trek. You said was. Star Trek movies. All of it, not yeah, I have to watch all the Star Wars stuff too. But that it's like it ruins it. So it ruined it for you for the first movie. You don't want to go back and watch it again. Probably. I just feel I just feel now because the when you place all these movies together, that first one has this totally different feel about it, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but they didn't know, I guess that that was what they were going for then, and they learned from the mistakes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this guy does a good job. I think it's you know he doesn't do that. Doesn't do that annoying thing, and the, it's presented well. It looks good for what the, like I say, some of the shots, I think, look a bit cheap. A little bit. Yeah, I know what you mean. Almost like, you know, they had a strict budget, which I don't understand because it's so humongous a film. I, I would think you would have whatever budget, you know, a fairly big budget, but I guess you have to pay all these actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might well, be where the money yeah. goes on these big names, you know. Um, so, extras on this Blu-ray, and this is absolutely packed of extras. There's a um, two hours and 45 minute documentary. It's split up into parts. Um, so, if you're a fan of The Hunger Games, this Blu-ray is amazing, to be honest. I mean, it, the, the documentary is longer than the movie. And it takes you through the whole thing. It's um, called The Making of Mockingjay 1. And it's split. It's everything. It's from... The how they came up with the you know how they transferred the first half of the book to the screen and then special effects all the things you would expect costumes, but it's two hours and forty five minutes almost. So if you're a fan, you're definitely and I think it's presented well. It's not like a really shitty documentary. It's actually no, it's good and it's not all super like production heavy either. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's got a lot of information. Everybody talks on there. Now, and then there's also an audio commentary with the director and the producer. 
There's something called Straight from the Heart, a tribute to Philip Seymour Hoffman, which I was... Did it make you want to cry? Yeah. You know, I often think when somebody's died and these actors have to talk about him, you know, it's a talking heads thing. What did you think of Philip? What was it like working with Philip? Nobody's going to say anything bad, are they? I mean... No. Nobody's going to say, oh, he was a bit of an asshole. I didn't really like him. So it... So you know what you're going to get. It's people saying how lovely he was to work with and what a master he was at his craft. But yeah, it just kept... I just... All I kept thinking was, today is probably the last new thing I'll ever see with him in. It, I think it might be. Well, the next one. He'll be in it. Yeah, he'll be in the next one. Yeah. Um, who knows for how long, though? Yeah. Like, he might not be in it much. Um, but yeah, it's really sad. I think he's definitely one of my... He might be my favourite actor. And it was, he always was. Yeah, always. I Since Boogie Nights, I said to you, like, and then Magnolia just like affirmed it. I was like, oh my God, this We've guy. We've said it. 2014 was a bad year for you. Yeah. 2013. Was. Sorry, because Tony Scott was one of your favorite directors of all time. Gandolfini just died. Yep. Tony before. Scott, Gandolfini, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. On which are literally my favorites. Like, they were. It's, that was weird, wasn't it? Really weird. I cursed people. The universe. Oh my god. We, that's not funny because we do joke about that. That if we ever watch any competition show, cooking, singing, it doesn't matter. If you start going, oh, if I, say I, like I that really, <laughs> they go out. Like, yeah. immediately, like oh, the curse is really big. I do have a curse. The Ace Gully curse. So I would rather if you just decide not to like me anymore, if you don't mind. Could you just do that for me? I feel, I feel you very, to curse you. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. Anytime. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Um, so there's also Songs of Rebellion, Lord, on creating the soundtrack. So the I like Lord a lot. I listen to her music a lot. Um, and she does the song Yellow Flicker Beat for this movie, the, the song that plays over the credits. Um, so yeah, there's a documentary. And there's there, actually the Yellow Flicker Beat music video is on air as well. And Jennifer Lawrence sings a song in this movie. And she's actually got a pretty good singing voice, I think. Ah, she's just, she's just folk singing it. Yeah, but it's not bad. I mean, she... But anybody can do it. Anybody can sing like that. I'm not saying... I actually really like that song, too. I did like it in the book, and I could never picture it in the book. Like, like I was... Because you can't... How do you describe a tune in a book? You don't, do you? You just say, she's singing this, and and it gives you the lyrics to the song. And I remember that bit in the book and thinking, this song is awesome. I really like the idea of of it. Never really understood how it how it was being sung, but now I do, because it was actually the lyrics were written by the author Susan Collins. Um, there's also deleted scenes on here, worth watching alone. Just for there's actually another scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman that you wouldn't see in the movie. Um, and then there's a sneak peek of Insurgents, which is the next movie in the Divergent series. I actually enjoyed Divergent, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that one too. It's a very similar concept. Um, but if you like this kind of thing, you might like it. Uh, so, good a good Blu-ray, really good. Lots full of stuff. You can listen to the commentary, you can watch a massive documentary, you can watch some deleted scenes, you can listen to Lord sing the song. So yeah, it's good. Good, good Blu-ray. So, conclusion, if you're a fan of Hunger Games, you've already got this. If you're not a fan of Hunger Games, you need to get all of it. You can't just start here, I don't think. It'd be a bad place to start, right? Just to buy this one and then start watching it. Because it doesn't give you... A, it doesn't say previously on Hunger Games. It's none of that. It just starts and you're like... I don't know about that. I think if you, you watch this and the next one, 
and then go back and watch the beginning, it almost might be better. Wouldn't you? Because this feels really severe, and that would make like me then... feel like you'd be completely lost, though, at the beginning of this movie. Nah. You just, yeah, people are smarter than you think. You'd watch it, and then you'd realize how shitty everything is, really bad. Then you'd go back, because that was always been my issue. I never, I always wondered, like, why, you know, I'm not, I'm feel, I see, it's a terrible situation. But it's a Hollywoody situation, so I'm not feeling the, ugh. This one made me feel the, ugh. So if you watch this, and then you go back and see the Hunger Games part, and see her coming up, then you'd be like, now I get it. Because it sucks. That guy is a jerk. Yeah. So that's Mockingjay Part 1, and we'll be back this time next year for Mockingjay Part 2, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray, and we've got some contests going. I've got some new Blu-rays to give away soon. Uh, if you go to aschoolie.com, you can win a copy of... Um, let me see what we've got. We've got, the, we've got Killers coming up, and we've got... Let's Kill Ward's Wife, which it looks like, if you've ever seen the movie Very Bad Things, it looks like a similar type of movie. So we'll be giving those away on aschoolie.com. Go to there and you can enter it probably Tuesday this week. Uh, next week's Blu-ray review is The Hobbit Part 3. That's another biggie. Which is The Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah, that's the subtitle. Or, what's the subtitle to Birdman? You could probably add that one too. If you don't remember it, then you shouldn't use it as a reference anymore. The Desolation of Smog. <laughs> no. <laughs> the Desolation of Ignorance. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, okay. The Virtue of Ignorance or something. The Virtue... Something in the Ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> ignorance. There you go. There's a good subtitle to every movie. The Hobbit, Ignorance. Yeah. Smog. Yeah, so it's the third in the Hobbit series. A big movie. We'll be watching that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going with Divergent, which is... Um, Divergent Insurgent or just Divergent? Divergent first. <laughs> Insurgent's not out yet. But yeah, go and uh, see Divergent. If you like the Hunger Games, I imagine you would like it. And also Star Wars. Everybody should like Star Wars. So, And the Hunger Games gives me the vibe of Star Wars sometimes. You know, the, the ebb and flow of the story. How it's like, it's up, it's down, it's heroic, it's not, it's... The bad side's coming over, the good side, you know, a lot of stories are like that. It's all the same story. Yes. Think about everything. We're very boring creatures. Yep. We like to think we get creative and clever every once in a while, and every once in a while we do. We'll see a story in a movie or you'll read it in a book, and you'll be like, whoa. But the thing is, it's not the story that's capturing you, right? Because every story is kind of, there's categories of stories. There's the love story, boy meets girl. But then that's never just the story. No. There's a bad guy, and there's a trouble, and there's a problem, and there's a thing to overcome, and maybe one of them dies, <laughs> and then the other one has to go on without them. Quote, unquote, Titanic. Um, but that story is a story, right? And then there's war story. And then there's this, which is the, the you know, Mockingjay story. Like, a, just, like being crushed down and then rising up. Yeah, and you could apply that to anything. You could apply that to an individual person's story, like there might be blood, or mm -hmm. there will be blood, that he was, in his mind, held back, crushed down, he needed to be, yeah. and he rose himself up on, and was, you know, the tyrant, essentially, or he saw the world as the tyrant against him. I mean, it's just always the same story, but once you do it in the right way, well, 
I, I do me. think the Hunger Games is a good story. I think I don't think it's an original story. I think it's an amalgamation of a lot of things, but I think it's pretty well told, and I think it's. I think it'll be remembered. I think that one of my favorite things about the whole of it is that she is not swoon over. She doesn't swoon over anyone. She doesn't look to anyone for her overall comfort or solace or, you know, like, here I am, strong warrior, and, oh, please cuddle me because I can't cope. She's not like that. She'll every once in a while, like, in this time, she puts her head on her shoulder. Yeah. Gets a tiny little cuddle, but then she goes on. That isn't the feature of her person. Mm-mm. And that I really do admire about the whole of the story. I don't don't know how we're, where we're going with it, but... <laughs> so, um, your recommendations are? Mine are this movie called The Candidate. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. It's the woman from the black and white with Reese Witherspoon when she was really young that you really love. Pleasantville. She's the woman. Joan. Yes. She's in The Candidate where... They find some footage of a woman at a party, and then, like, this stuff about her is really sleazy while well, she's running for president oh, or vice yeah, president. Yeah, so they're it. trying to get her to admit that it was her the whole time. It's like, oh, slandering her for this activity when she was in college. And the question was, was it really her? Did she really do what they say? Go in a room with a bunch of guys, blah, blah, blah. And seen it, yeah. Right, I'm explaining to people. And so you have to watch it. It's a very strong statement about personal self-fortitude and I think it's a really good it's a good movie anyway but it's uh, it's really good and then of course I'm going to say MASH because my husband recently ripped it all off for me because I own all the DVDs (laughs) I didn't rip it all off we actually bought the uh... yeah (laughs) that makes me sound terrible no I mean you you took it off DVDs for me so I can watch them all in a row makes makes it sound like I went to the shop I put them all in a bag sneaked out the door (laughs) no I have a feeling you spent more on them than you should have whenever they were when you bought them for me for Christmas but you you took the stories made them digital yes made them digital for me and I was only going to tell you this now, so you wouldn't hop to it, but I think there's something wrong with them, because they don't play right. So I'm just putting that out there. But They played right for me. I, I watched one of them. I've tried on three different things. Hmm. My laptop, my tablet, and this. And all three times, they huh. jitter really bad. So I'll try it again. But even watching the first five minutes, it, it reminds me of how fucking awesome that show is like i don't care what it i don't give a shit what people say about my opinion about anything anyway and a lot of people say oh mash you know boring my friends always thought it was boring people say it got really too political near the end no it didn't you're all full of shit because it's a fantastic well-written it's it's one of those same story right it's war and we're trying to take a humorous look at war we've seen it before we saw it with um like uh, Hogan's Heroes and other other movies that sort of poke fun at a military view even during wartime. We have that. Been telling them stories a long time, trying to bring humor to the to a horrible thing. But something about the people in this show, it I am just riveted like the entire time. As soon as they come on the screen, I I just I'm literally breathless almost sometimes when and I can't wait to watch it all again. All right, so um Games and A-Scully stuff this week. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V had its big update, so now you can play heists online. And if you've played the single-player game, you re- you'll know that the best part of the single-player game is there are five heists during the story. That's the best part. Yeah, the best part. There's five of them during the story. Well, 
these online heists, there's five new heists that are not in the story, and they've they're whole new heists. So you you play them online with your friends, up to four players, and they've made new cutscenes and they've made new dialogue and they've new vehicles and there's a lot of new it's all new content and it's absolutely free, which I've found weird in this day and age where you have to pay for almost everything. This update's totally free. These heists are totally free. And I've played the first three of the heists. Well, two and a half, because I haven't finished the third one yet. And I would say I've played for 15 hours. So you're looking at 30 hours worth of free content, which is un- unheard of. I think Rockstar Games make enough money that they can do the, um, you know, we won't bother charging for this. Maybe more people will buy GTA because of it. So, yeah, they're available now. You can pick them up for free. It's on the PS4 and the Xbox One and the old-gen systems as well, actually. Uh, other game I've been playing this week is Hotline Miami 2. Hotline Miami was one of my favourite indie games from last year. It's free on PlayStation Plus. And it's like a... Eight, you've seen me playing it. It's like an 8-bit overhead view... I would say murder simulator... But that sounds like it makes it sound really crass. But that's what it is. You're like this dude who has to clear all these rooms, like kill everybody. But he doesn't really know why he's doing it. Is you know, is he a serial killer? Is he a bank? Is he a crooked cop? What is he like? You don't really know. The story kind of unfolds when you're going through it, and then you get to find out why you're killing all these people. Well, the second one actually takes place straight after the first one. So I would play the first one first, so you know what's going on. But the second one's got some really cool ideas in it. Like, it starts off and you murder all these people. And then you run into this room. And this is horrendous, but you're about to rape this woman. And it even mentions right up front at the beginning of this game, this game has some sexual content. And it actually says, do you want to skip the sexual content when it occurs? And you can say yes or no. But then... He's about to grab hold of the woman, and you, you're thinking, this is horrible. Like, And then the director says, cut! And all the film crew come running in. And you realise you're on the set of this film. You just ruined this game for people? This is the opening sequence. Oh, right. <laughs> so you realise you're on the set of this film, and you're a dude who may or may not be making a film of the first game. Right. So you know, you know, like how the human centipede is, like how it's kind of a bit, like, kind of references the other one in a funny way. The human centipede too does a similar. It references the first film as though it's not real, but it could be real or not real. That you don't know. It's kind of weird. This game does the same thing. Right. So um, it's interesting. It's very violent, but it's like eight bit graphics, so it's kind of. It was really weird. You walked in and I was playing it one day and you went, oh, that's cute and walked off and I went, she probably didn't look at that properly because that's <laughs> definitely not cute. <laughs> you said that and that's cute. Cute. Like, I don't really think you looked at it. You probably just saw that it was all bright colours but most of that is blood. So, uh, yeah, it's um, Hotline Miami 2. It's made by, like, literally two guys. It's a really cool game. It's got one of the best soundtracks I have ever heard. If you think of Drive or the mo- that movie we just watched, um... You know, the one where the, the, the guest. Yeah. The music's very similar to those two movies. It's very 1980s. Um, so, yeah. And finally, and I'm not playing this one. You're, you've been playing a new game, which you can mention. Which I'm playing right this minute, called City Skylines. 
Cities. Cities, skylines. Whatever. They'll find it. Um, it's a building a city simulator. Oh, no, it's not a simulator building a city. It's a... <laughs> yeah. You simulate planning a city. And it's better than SimCity so far. It's... Yeah, if you know if you know what SimCity is, it's a similar, very similar type of game. I mean, it's still gonna be the same because it forces you into scenarios, so that kind of sucks. No matter what, I want a city where I can do whatever the hell I want. If I don't want police, I want to be able to turn in everybody's brain. I want a little toggle thing that says everybody's good, or everybody's bad, or ten percent of the people are criminals, or a hundred percent of the people are saints, whatever. I think that would be a fantastic addition to these games. Because then you could make your truly utopian city. Just build it however weirdly you wanted it or whatever. But it is, as you can see, I have cracked into the endless money mode, which comes in the game. And uh, it's not even a cheat. It's just there. And it's interesting because Maxis, who make SimCity and The Sims, they unfortunately are no more because EA decided uh, they were done with them. So they fired everybody and closed the studios down. So now there is no Maxis... And they were the guys who made SimCity. The last SimCity, which I bought you for Christmas, I believe, or like the year before. Mm-hmm. Did you like that one? I do. People criticize that one a lot for some reason. I do, but it's just, it's just, the problem is it's the same. Like, you start to build your town, and you say, like, okay, I want to make my town into this super grid. And I want industrial to be exactly over here, and I want it to be this big, and this is a... And as you get going, it forces you... Right. Like it for you can't decide that I want a green city. You you have no choices. You can have wind turbines, but no matter what you do, you have to have garbage dump. You you can have a recycling place, but it still has an impact on the environment. You you know all these things. Then there were advertisements in it, which was kind of annoying because I like a progressive tower, progressive insurance. Yeah. But it's fun to me to just build, 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 build. It's just that I could never have a successful city because I'm not willing to put in the time to nickel and diamond like you had one little tiny section of people and then you wait a minute and you have to add half of that much business and then you add twice as much of that industry it's the, and it just forces you and it forces you to put a police station every so often no matter what you do and i think why can't i choose like i said to have a city that is, a, I want to make a small town as well. I want to make a small town. Small towns don't have big garbage dumps. They don't have big, you know, anything big. They have a, a water tower and a little reservoir of water if they have that. And it's totally different. It's not like we're in a city. And you don't have a police station and you don't have, it's tiny. And the, the, and it doesn't have a school of its own. But you want it to function and maybe connect to the town next to it. So what I have to do is... Like this, what I'm building right now is over here in the corner of my square. I make a little gravel road and I'll put some houses out there and a couple of businesses. That's my little small town. But I can't manage that small town because it's all part of the same thing. So those are little... But I love, you know me. What I can tell about this game is this was made not made by Maxis. It was made by a small, really small team, I think. The review I read said there's 15 people work for this company who made this game. And looking at it, it doesn't look any lower quality than Sim City. Oh no! Which is no. a team of a, a thousand. People. It looks awesome. Like when yeah. you get up close, it's like you got a, like you called it a little model town on a table. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I mean, it's a little bit. But even that's like right. all the dialogues that pop up, everything's well oh, explained. Yeah. Um, also, it it performs really well. It it doesn't like Sim City was kind of a hog on your computer. This one seems. Oh yeah, it's really smooth. Better. Yeah. 
I love it. It's amazing. I mean, I love City SimCity too because you bought it for me. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this. But is I a... can't spend hours and hours sitting there just doing the exact same thing over and over because I know that within fifteen minutes I'm going to have to do this and this and this. It doesn't. It's no. Fun. And this doesn't require you to be online to play it. It's a lot Correct. different than SimCity. So all those complaints people had about SimCity, it seems to me from all the reviews of City Skylines, which is this new game, is some small company Trump Maxis at what they do. I you agree. Know? So uh, far, I agree. And you know what? These people who made it, they were massive fans of SimCity and always said they wanted to make something like SimCity. But but what they wanted, you know, <laughs> better. better. Yeah. And it is. I mean, it's different. You could, you're not limited to a small grid. No, no. You can have massive Once grids. Once you grow, yep. And, yeah. you can, and you can make your own maps. Yeah. You can make a whole map exactly the way you want. You can make it full of, like, little tiny If you just want a big green map with just one lake in the middle, you can, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just doing, and I love that. You can also make your own assets, as they call it. So you can make a park. You can make a... I I haven't got into, like, the houses and stuff yet, but I know you can design your own parks. And then in there, you can say, this costs zero. This has zero dollars maintenance. This gives 4,000% happiness or whatever, Um, which, you know me... I'm not I mean, a it's a sandbox, so they've made it so you can sandbox. <laughs> you always, you yeah. always say, like, "Oh, I like a challenge." I don't like a challenge. I mean, I we're like... we're opposite gamers. I right. like uh, goals, very consistent goals, and games don't even get me if there's no goal. Minecraft, yeah. it looked interesting to me. I started playing it, and I was like, "There's nothing." It, it's about it's, you have to build some stuff, and I don't want to do that personally. I want to defeat the ogre or do the okay, thing. Okay, here's my interpretation. You like to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. I hate it. That's the difference, yeah. Yep. So a game has that's to... Why, that's why our marriage works so perfectly. That's why I love like... <laughs> that's why I love a Call of Duty or a Grand Theft Auto. Oh, there's clear goals and you go and do those goals and then you get rewarded for the goals. Absolutely. Whereas you don't... You want your own goals and you don't really care about the reward. Nope. So, the reward is the playing. And those are two very the different games. The participation is what matters. Yeah, and it is for me too, but I do like an end goal. In fact, you know when I get a game and then I love it and then I reach the level cap and there's nothing left to do? There's, I, I, I can't stick with it anymore because I've, if I carry on playing and nothing's happening, not getting anything or there's nothing new, I'm, I'm always like, well, I should go on to something else where I can get stuff and build my character up or whatever. Right. So yeah, that's the kind of gamer I am and the kind you are is the opposite. Correct. So what's for dinner? Tonight we're going to have a repeat. The Morning Star Burger. Some mashed potatoes with carrots. I'm going to have some kale salad. You're going to have some tomatoes. Because <laughs> you don't like the kale. I absolutely love that stuff. I just eat it I right like the bowl. crisps when it's made in the oven. Yeah, but they smell too bad. So yeah. I've tried not to make That's them. the only way I really if like If I know it. I'm going to eat them within like five minutes, I'll do it. But um, And then we have the leftover... Baked beans, which you love so much. So that's it, really. And your and then, advice? My advice is... Okay, I'm at the store the other day, as I am almost every single day, and I observed a couple of different people do this. And this thing of... There's this one woman, and she had her cart, and she had her elbows all tucked in, and I... If, I, if you could see me imitating her, it was like she was a bird in the wild watching for prey. She was making sure she wasn't in anybody's fucking way. She wasn't running into anybody 20 feet away from her. She wasn't pulling her cart out in front of anybody. Nobody was behind her waiting on her. She wasn't going to touch anybody or, and I don't know if, I don't know what her issue was. 
And I kind of left it at that, and I thought, okay. And she kept apologizing to everybody. Oh, sorry, sorry, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, sorry. Putting her head down, putting her head down, putting her head down. Fine, she might have some sort of very terrible personal issue going on. But from the outside, my conclusion was, and I will say it because then this other person, it was like a, about my age of a woman. This other lady was a little bit older. About my age, you know, 40s-ish, late 40s. And same thing. She was smiling and stopping and smiling and stopping. Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Oh, excuse me. Just constant. And it was very crowded that day. So this is maybe why I was a little more condensed with all the people. The aisles had many people in them. And so I was just observing this. And I, okay, I'm going to sound horrible. And that's fine. I don't think of that. I don't run into people, and I don't knock them over with my carts, and I don't trip them to get them out of my way, and I don't shove old ladies out of my way, and I don't knock little children over to, like, because I'm coming through or anything, and I don't, I'm not like, like, <laughs> Rick and Ralph, you know, coming down the aisle, like, get out of my way or anything. I really don't give a shit if I happen to, for a split second, walk in front of someone when their cart is coming out of the aisle. I'm not going to apologize. I'm walking here. Like, I'm walking down the big aisle. Sounds like that. You're coming out of the little aisle. I'm walking here. Yeah. (laughs) You're coming out of the side street, basically. I'm on the highway. You're on the side street. I have the right of way. When you come to the intersection, you will be waiting for me. Just take a look outside quickly. What is it? Look at the sky. What? Quick, quickly. Oh, dear. That's kind of weird. It's like uh, the end of the world. It's coming. (laughs) Well, you know what? The we, last... we need to tell the listeners, uh, the sky is... It's got like a sliver of green and yellow, yeah, sunsetting, and then really bright orange. Now, the last time we had a very overtly weird sky was, unfortunately, the evening after Joplin's tornadoes happened. Yeah. And we didn't know that it happened. And we went to the store, and the sky was like this weird, weird pink yeah. and like heavy. And it was weird, because then we looked it up, and it... If you're within several hundred miles of a huge tornado, you can have a weird sky and a weird sunset. But anyway, that is weird. Thank you for sharing that sunset with everyone. It would have been gone by the time you... That they cannot see. It was gorgeous. Um, But I don't know if that's a personality thing with people. I'm not an apologizer in life. I reserve that for like when I'm actually sorry about something. And no, I'm not sorry if I step out in front of you and you're coming out of the lane. And I'm not sorry if I'm coming out of a door, right? I'm coming out and you're in front of me going out and I'm maybe four feet behind you. This happens a lot. I don't understand it. People will catch a glimpse of you coming, you know, and I'll walk. I'm not like a steamroller or anything. I don't try to overpass right. people in the door. I'm just walking normal. And, you know, people just go, oh, excuse me, sorry. And I'm like, I don't even, th- I'm behind you. Like, I'm not approaching you. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, get out of my way. <laughs> like, <laughs> that I'm aware of. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't even know that I'm emitting this horrible signal to people like, bah, 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 look out. Like, but I don't get it. I don't get the feeling. Of feeling like you're in the way all the time. Because I think that's bullshit. I think everyone else is in my way. And if I do get in someone's way, I'm genuinely apologetic. Like, if I'm coming out of the little side lane and I accidentally run in front of someone who's in the main lane, I will definitely back up. Oh, 
I don't apologize, really. I just acknowledge their existence with a smile or with a little, like, oh, right, right, you have the right of way, because that's how it works. Mm. But I don't go, oh, excuse me, like, as if I've just, you know, pinched your child and made them cry or something. Like, I don't get that. So my advice is don't always think that you are in everybody's way. Look at it the other way without being a jerk and think that everybody else is potentially in your way. I'll be a jerk if you want. No, don't be a jerk. Just balance it out. Like, stop apologizing all the fucking time. That really drives me crazy. Sounds like it. I think I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm missing something in my DNA. I really am because I don't get it. I don't get wanting to be invisible or disappear or be the nothing or be the doormat or be the apologizer or be the one who's in the way who nobly takes a step aside with their shopping cart to let the traffic flow. Look how great I am. Like, I don't get that bullshit. I mean, I'll let an old lady through the door before We're not talking about old ladies. No, I'm saying personally. Yeah, I understand. I'm not being a jerk. I'm saying I understand there are certain social mores that you do. I've actually stood up on the bus for, like, a pregnant lady sit down. Of course. Uh, I haven't stood up on the bus to let, like, some dude sit down. I don't park close to the door on a busy day because I think there's going to be somebody who has more pain than I would ever have in my life, a older person or carrying a child. Sure. I don't, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about just the general attitude of being a doormat. I don't get it. I really don't get it. If someone could explain it to me in a way that could penetrate my brain, that'd be great. But So, let me remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sitar.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on stitcher.com. Search for After the Show, iTunes Music Store. You'll be able to listen to it on one of those iWatches sooner or later. You'll also be able to catch this on Microsoft's music service or the RSS feed, ascoli.com. Click on the word podcast. Email feedback to me at ascoli at ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She does not want your advice or <laughs> any of your bullshit. <laughs> and lastly, stay classy, Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman. And this movie was actually dedicated to him at the end, so I was glad to see that. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, somebody will do it for you. Are you coming to the tree? I strung up a man, I say who murdered.